Hello all and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callan. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today we are going to be reviewing the new Disney film, Cruella, and we are joined by a very special guest. You may have heard her on the podcast in the past with our Raya episode and also for The Shining, Erin Prudence is back. Erin, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, it's great to be back. Um, and on a, a movie that kind of brings together The Shining and Raya. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so excited to be back. Thank, Thank you, you for having me again, especially on a Disney uh, movie. I'm excited to to say lots of things about them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, Erin is a Disney lover, has all of the tapes and all of the, knows all the things about Disney, so it'll be great. All right, so... Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for Koala? Sure. A live-action prequel feature film following a young Cruella DeVille. Live-action and prequel is just like the epitome of what Disney is doing with their business strategy. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. And I have many feelings about it. Lots of feelings, yes. Although I, I also have feelings, but I like the prequels significantly better than their recreations of the actual movies themselves. Fair. True. Yeah. If we had to choose between two terrible options, yes, I, I would agree. <laughs> Although Solo, A Star Wars Story is is uh, the worst of the prequels. Oh, well, yeah. I guess I was thinking uh, recreating the... <laughs> the Lion the King. Anim- the Lion. The, the, oh, my goodness. The Lion King. Oh, No. I'm sure that's a different that's a different talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This will just be uh, another one hour episode where we all shit on Disney. It'll be great. <laughs> and go. Yeah, buckle up. Okay, so we always kick off our uh, episodes with one sentence summaries for the film. And Aaron, do you want to kick us off with your one sentence summary for Cruella? Yes, I'd love to. So my sentence is Harley Quinn in The Devil Wears Prada. A cautionary tale of the necessity of a quality mental health care system. (laughs) Yes. That's amazing. I love it. Right? Like, all I could think of in the entire movie was how closely related Cruella and Harley Quinn is, even down to the hairstyling. Mm -hmm. That and um, that dancer who, like, always does all the dances for Sia. Like, (laughs) I was just like, oh, it's all the same wigs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they just they're interchangeably especially when they were the as a child i was like yeah. this is the same person <laughs> i mean it's definitely the same wig i mean i guess props to disney for recycling mm-hmm. yep <laughs> this is good for the environment sarah what was your one to summary all right mine is disney's contribution to the age-old nature versus nurture debate oh i see what well, you did deep. there Yes. Thanks. (laughs) All right. My summary is 101 ways Emma Stone can snarl in two hours and 17 minutes. Ah, yes. Yeah. Got all the Emmas in this one. All the Emmas. It was great. Okay. Well, let's start off with our initial thoughts of Cruella. What'd y'all think? I, in generally, enjoyed the movie. Not as much. I, I, for what it was. I guess I will say I like I said before I think it's it's better than if they just tried to like the Meryl Street 101 like live action version of the 101 Dalmatians better than that um I don't think it was good as good as Maleficent I felt like they just couldn't really make Corella a likable character like they did Maleficent so um I I was entertained I don't regret watching it but I, it's not my, my top. I think there are four words that I think is, is, is important, which is you said for what it was. It was good for what it was. And I feel like those were important. <laughs> right. If I had to write a prequel to like 101 Dalmatians, I don't know if I would do a better job. There was a couple things that I would not have done. But, mm-hmm. and there was a yeah. lot of individual scenes where I was just like, nope, I can't. This is bad. Yeah. But I would say 80% of it, I was entertained. (laughs) Sarah, what were your thoughts? Yeah, um, 
I would like my money back from Disney. <laughs> um, <laughs> I This movie is a mess. Um, I think it does some things really well. So I think like the costumes are gorgeous. Set design, great. I even enjoyed some of like the cinematography that they did. But man, from a story perspective, this thing makes zero sense. And, um, you know, on brand for me as a human, uh, I'm just focused on the wrong things. And I have all the questions that you're not supposed to ask. So I basically my notes for this movie are just a bunch of questions because this movie <laughs> did not make sense to me at all. Because it, it just they tried to make like you said, Aaron, they tried to make a character likable maybe they were trying to do that but they did not succeed and they just kept trying to like layer stuff on and just made it worse so i there's a lot that they could have done to make this a lot better than uh the the mess that it was yeah they definitely did some things where i'm like oh i can see why that makes me like corella more and understand mm -hmm. like where she's coming mm -hmm. from and then they would turn around and do something and i'm like well well there that just ruined it more yeah. you know yeah exactly yeah it's like <laughs> one step forward two steps back for two hours and 17 minutes <laughs> yes i'm excited for this episode to just be 101 hot takes from sarah callen <laughs> I just, you listing off all your questions is going to be a great, great segment. Yeah, I was looking at my notes like before we hopped on and I was just like, all of these are questions. I didn't have one yeah. declarative statement in any of my notes. <laughs> I had some questions as well, so you're not alone. Okay, that makes me feel better. Thanks, Erin. You know, yep, I'm here for you. You know, I went into this film expecting the absolute worst. And so I think the fact that my expect expectations were just on the ground, I did, I like Aaron, like had a good time with some of the spectacle of this movie. Uh, from a storytelling perspective, I'm sure we'll dive into all the things that don't make sense. Uh, the way that this connects to the Cruella that we know from my very vague uh, memories of the 101 Dalmatians, like animated movies. So, uh, Aaron, I believe you said you rewatched them. And so I'm intrigued to know yep. how you think that connects because the, the like sole motivation of Cruella in those movies doesn't connect with the Cruella that we see at the end of this movie at all either. And so as a prequel, it doesn't really do its job. I think also the fact that it was a PG 13 movie made by Disney um, meant for who knows who the audience was meant for um, <laughs> but I think that makes it, it difficult to really like push the boundaries of this potentially being a really interesting like villain origin story and for it to go to all of those like nutty psychotic places that could have been really interesting uh, but it kind of played it a little bit safe and had the you know like the Disney feel good moments in this um, so Overall, I would say it was empty, but it was a fun time to watch. I think Emma Stone really makes this movie work as well as it does. I think without her, this would have felt really, truly terrible. Uh, but I enjoyed watching her just like completely overact and be insanely dramatic for two hours and 17 minutes. So that was a good time. Yeah, I think Emma Stone and Emma Thompson as the Baroness mm -hmm. uh carried this movie well i don't say carry because i really liked artie and i like jasper like mm -hmm. they had entertaining actors and actresses that did the best they could with what they got um i did like the music so there was that mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but as far as you were saying how it goes to a prequel so yeah i went and rewatched 101 and i there were some things that I really enjoyed that they did as a prequel, which kind of nodded to um, where it was going, like just little things like they have Harris fall, um, falling into a cake and that happens in both movies. So that was kind of fun. Um, her driving. Mm. I thought I thought uh, Emma Stones did a really good job of embracing and just driving like like Corella did in the cartoon. <laughs> Uh, up until the fact that, and I like the fact that they just point out that she never learned how to drive. Um, and that's why she drives like a, a maniac. Uh, however, she does know how to hot wire a car, which I was like, well, okay, you don't know how to drive a car, but you can hot wire it. What's that about? And then she can't drive her own car, but 
when it comes down to her driving a dump truck, yep. like through <laughs> London alleys, she's like a mastermind, like better than police who take that. I was like, okay, well, let's just suspend some disbelief there. Uh, other thing I thought that they did really good of just nodding too is like when they talked about how dogs and their owners look alike. That was mm-hmm. uh, how 101 starts. And so that was kind of cool. And obviously the whole like Dalmatian coat thing uh, went through. But I'm just going to jump to the end because I really need to talk about the end credit scene and how mm-hmm. that basically ruined the cartoon for me. Because mm-hmm. let's let's talk about like old Disney and how they have smoking and like questionable content in there. And then... <laughs> And then, like, at the end of this prequel, they show one of the Baroness's dogs, Dalmatians, is pregnant. And then, at the end credits, they give Roger Pongo and Anita her puppy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, these guys, these these puppies that are going to kick off 101 Dalmatians are siblings? <laughs> So now we just added like oh, I didn't even think about incest, <laughs> right? I was like, no, no. And then they go and have fifteen puppies who aren't very bright, which that does explain a lot. Uh-huh. Um, but I, yeah, the fact that Pongo and Purdy are siblings now—that's all I could think of the entire time I was watching One Hundred and One. <laughs> no. And so, like, they did not need to need to do that. So yeah, I didn't that's... even think about it from that angle. Yeah, I was thinking about it mostly in terms of also. Cruella in the in the animation, she's wanting the Dalmatians to create her coats, right? And in the end of this movie, she's not she's not against Dalmatians at all. Like they kind of tee that up, or they begin to tee that up a little bit with the fact that the Dalmatians are the ones that killed her mother. But by the end, she's like buddy buddy with the Dalmatians. So I don't yeah, get where, it, yeah, that doesn't connect. And and her first friend is a dog. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and we have Wink in there, the other puppy, who's just adorable. And just every time I, I yeah. was down on this movie, I just MVP. was like, oh, there's Wink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah. So her childhood, yes, the Dalmatians killed. But she never really blamed the Dalmatians. She always blamed, blamed yeah. herself or the Baroness. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then she had dogs that she lived with. And then you're right, at the end. But really from more of a psychological experience and this is why I was like this is just complete healthcare so she was acting out as a child and her mother didn't decide hey maybe she needs some support here um instead she's like let's go to the woman who gave birth to her and try to murder her and ask her for money because that's going to go over well um (laughs) and then like as an adult when she's starting to like go a little mad again everyone's like wow she's going mad you know what we should do we should either just support her and do all the crazy things that she wants to do or we should just walk away like let's let's not address this problem so the fact that by time that cartoon rolls around and hell hall has gone from an elaborate really well-kept manner to I don't and I'm you know I'm gonna say that this happened in the course of five ten years between the the prequel and the cartoon and is now is a decaying falling apart literally the mm-hmm. the ceilings are falling in um, manner and and Cruella has like completely lost her mind and even like Anita isn't like hey you know what maybe you should seek some <laughs> some guidance here consult a doctor like a psychiatrist <laughs> i mean it was by that time it's going to be like the 80s they, they you know not a huge uh you know even today people aren't like hey mental health care yay but uh but it, it exists <laughs> and i think she's to the extreme someone could have been like you know what let's let's check in on that no, they all kept saying she's a genius. Like there is – she's this creative genius. And it's a celebration of, of that in a lot of ways too. Right. Yeah. There's genius and then there's like – Insanity. Insanity and and killing people. I mean she's definitely going down the path that her 
her biological mother is. And everyone apparently knows who her biological mother is and is in jail for murder and is a complete raving lunatic. Even Cruella knows this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, eh. Yeah, the, like this kind of goes this kind of goes back to uh Sarah's one sentence summary, which is this movie's take is that you cannot overcome your nature. <laughs> like it is inevitable. Which like how depressing is that? Like are you kidding me? Like whatever your your parents or like former generations dealt with, like you're going to have to deal with too? Like are you kidding me? That's super depressing. <laughs> Some of it might be true, like you got to deal with some crap that your parents dealt with, but my goodness, can we have a little bit of like agency and affirming that like you don't have to, if your mother is a psycho killer, you don't also have to become a psycho killer. Like, right? you, you can be more than that. I. It was just, it was such a weird choice to take like it's like oh her mother died because of the dalmatians okay that's why she has an issue with the dalmatians which still didn't make sense but okay we're going with it and then it's like nope we're gonna go left turn and just say that that wasn't your real mother and so now nothing in this movie actually makes sense and um yeah we're just gonna end it like that so my wildly unsubstantiated theory is that this movie is part of a series of films that they want to do. So this is Cruella (laughs) 1. And so this is, what if this is a prequel to the prequel to a remake of 101 Dalmatians? Because obviously this movie did not take place in the same universe as the Glenn Close 101 Dalmatians because, you know, Anita is black and Roger is racially ambiguous of some kind. So obviously these are not the same people that we saw in the Glenn Close one. So... Is Disney trying to get more bang for their buck and sign Emma Stone to a multi-movie deal and do this? And then they'll do another prequel because they did like Maleficent and Maleficent 2. And then... Yeah, but Maleficent was good. Maleficent was good. (laughs) I wonder if they're trying to like model Cruella after Maleficent. Cruella just isn't very good. So that was my my theory to try and make sense of it. Because you're right. You guys are totally right that this prequel makes no sense in setting up the 101 Dalmatians movie. So that was how I was able to make it make sense. Whether or not that's what happened, I don't know. But that's my wild theory. So I kind of took that in a different direction because I felt like they're looking at the cartoon and Cruella is just crazy in that one. Like there's no, there's no rationale. Like even as someone who wants to have a fur coat made out of dog skin let's let's just put that aside and say like that's that's normal and okay like (laughs) she had 99 of these puppies and she only stole 15 of them like she could have made a coat with 99 (laughs) minus 15 and then second she's like let's kill puppies instead of dogs i mean really (laughs) if you think about this her coat is going to be so many seams because puppies are not going to make, I mean, it's going to be a patch coat of Dalmatian puppies, which that's not going to look good. I'm sorry. (laughs) Even if I know. So clearly she's a nutter. And I think the problem that they had with Corella is that they couldn't have, they couldn't have the story arc of she's messed up as a kid she gets even more messed up because she finds out that her, you know, her her mom gets murdered and then her real mom is like completely crazy in her arch enemy. And then like they resolve that by putting her in jail, by putting her real mom in jail. But she can't be sane at the end of this movie. Like they can't be like, and then she, you know, resolves everything and is better because mm-hmm. the next movie she's not sane. Mm-hmm. And so they can't, you know, and, and there's no, they, they, they can't end this movie well. Like, there's no, no. way. It's not yeah. like in Maleficent, <laughs> where it was clear that they, like, she was jaded for a specific reason. And, you know, and they gave, like, a nice backstory of, like, why her actions, although looking rather harsh, were more couched in reality of, like, uh, more tame because of all the bad things that have happened to her that they were rational responses 
Whereas with Corella, nothing's rational. And so they can't make her likable and they can't they can't fix her because the cartoon, she's crazy. Which also and so, just brings up the question of like, why would you choose Cruella? Like there yes. are so many other yeah. Disney villains that could be super interesting to dive into. Like Cruella is psycho. And unless you're gonna go like full psycho, like it's just not a like fun Joker. movie to have. Yeah. 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 Like Harley Quinn. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like yes. it's like yeah. you're not you're not rooting for Harley Quinn to like get <laughs> medicated and be like, okay, now she's fine. <laughs> you know, like that's not that character. Um and yeah, the only reason I can think of is like 101 Dalmatians is one of the most popular ones. And so they probably made a lot of money when Meryl Street did her the the live action, which I think is probably the first live action remake of an animated full-length animated Disney movie. And that I think did okay. And so I'm guessing they were just like who else who's like a popular villain? Um, because to your point, yes, there's so many better uh, villains that they could have done like what they did with Melissa saying, well, you just don't know her side of the story. But knowing Coella's side of the story, you're just like, yep, that's why she's she's the way she is. And that's not OK. Someone, sh- again, should step in and be like, you know, maybe not. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. maybe we should arrest you for, yeah. you know, what an idea. destroying a police station and driving like a lunatic. Like, you can't tell me that she never gets pulled over. Just my one of my other questions was, how incompetent is this police force? Are you kidding me? Like, sure, they have disguises, but they're really not that great <laughs> of disguises. And like, she just is she anytime she commits a crime or is sad then she returns to the same location if you just scout yeah. out that location you'll catch her like this is not hard people it's just annoying right <laughs> <laughs> i did like the music should we say something nice <laughs> well okay let's talk about the soundtrack because there were there were some choices that one of them that sticks out to me that didn't make sense. For example, while they're stealing the Dalmatians, the song Car Wash is playing and you're just like, I don't get it. I don't get this choice. Like, it's an upbeat song. It kind of fits the vibe of like, oh, we're pulling off a heist. We're going to steal these things. But I mean, just like symbolically, it doesn't make any sense. I, I Only if you can think about like dogs as cars because they're getting washed while they got stolen. I guess. I'm gonna stretch. Yes, I think I do. Think there were several times where I was like, "Yeah, this song doesn't really go with the vibe," but I it's a good song, so I guess I'm just gonna go with it. It's a mood. Yeah, this whole movie is just a mood. Yes, and and I think sometimes it it really, really worked. And I was like, "Oh, I'm enjoying this song," and was kind of like singing along. But then there were sometimes so like the car wash moment, and then the other moment was when they were fleeing the party, and it wasn't this like upbeat, like dramatic song. It was kind of like a mellow song as they're fleeing. And I was like, "This does not tonally fit what we're doing right now. Why is this your choice?" So they had most of it was good. There were a few misses, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there were three scenes that I just like took me completely out of the movie. And I was like, no, this is just too far. Unacceptable. <laughs> okay. Pop off. Um, so number excited. one, I'm please. The first <laughs> the first cliff scene where the mom gets pushed over so the whole setting up of that scene is okay we're going back to the scene where i kidnapped you to save you from this horrible woman who wants to murder you maybe she'll give us some money to like start (laughs) off in london it makes all the sense in the world it's very logical (laughs) yes you don't know that at the time so but at the same time I, I just really disliked her like going over the cliff and dying it just seemed uh, wrong and so many it didn't visually look right to me mm-hmm. it didn't like mentally and then the more i learned about like who the characters were i was even more enraged by like that didn't make sense and also the fact that like there's no way she would have been talking to that lady. How many people right? and valets would she have to yeah. got through? And they all would have recognized her. And I think, like, I swear she was talking to John the valet 
at the start trying to get an intro and they were none of them would have been like hey here's some cash get out you know like why are you back here so that one i could not and then when they mirrored it again and estella went over i was just like no absolutely not like it was very it reminded me of like sherlock holmes going over the waterfall but just kidding he's not dead because that would be sad um like crazy no so and i think that even more because it was supposed to mirror the first one which i didn't like to start off with so those two i could have just like not you know (laughs) muted and walked away like got some more popcorn during that scene and then the other one was the fight scene where she was in the red dress it was just oh at the party no Yes, at the party where she's just hitting, like, beating up all the security guys with a cane. And I I just, and just, her lines got really bad. And, like, I don't want to say the acting was bad, but I just don't know if there was anything there for her to, like, make that good. And it just, I mean, I feel like in the other, like, I really liked a lot of her um, other choices with how she ruined parties and how she, like, uh came in with great outfits and stuff and like that outfit I didn't like it really bothered me that the reds didn't match um and then she just was like oh and I'm doing this in heels and let me poke you in the eye with my cane and that'll stop you because that's what works and I just mm. and then at the end they're like oh yeah we're not gonna let's go have some tea and right discuss. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all of it was wrong like, this is not how this should work. Again, incompetent security people. What the hell? Like, can we have competent security in a film? Like, because then that makes the fighting more exciting. It's boring if it's like, oh, no, this is so easy. I'm just going to hit you with my stick and then I defeat you all. Like, no, that's boring. Yeah. At least make it interesting yeah. in a fight. There was more, there was better security at the end when everyone was tackling old women in yeah. wigs. <laughs> Then there was when there were six people surrounding this woman with a cane and they're like, I don't know. This seems questionable. Let's go. Let's go one at a time so that she can hit all of us. Like what? No, this is not how we do things. And then their solution at the end is a single taser. That's their point. Yeah. Only one. (laughs) I did. Oh my God. I did enjoy the taser scene. Yeah, that was funny. I could do this all day. (laughs) I was like, that was just good acting. I mean, yeah. I was like, yes, okay. Yeah, that was good. Um, the thing that got me was the plot twist where the Baroness is her mother. It just, it's it falls in with every other plot twist that Disney loves to do, which is that the person you're fighting against is your family in some way. This is like the Ray Palpatine moment where, like, your biggest nemesis is going to be related to you. Surprise! Okay, now deal with the consequences of that. Like, it just it didn't make sense. They the way that it was revealed was just um, Mark Strong just telling her and like going to flashback. Like, I think there could have been potentially more build up to that, and that could have been more exciting if they were going to do this plot moment. But that was one hour. I was like, I literally like my jaw dropped, and I was like, what? And I, I was done. I kind of felt like I expected it, but I, it is to your point. It is a Disney. It's a Disney thing. staple. Yep. But and they also got the Disney staple of being an orphan and like your parents mm-hmm. being killed by yep. a cliff or a hurricane or whatever, a, a crazy person. Um, I have my. I have a question. I was like, at what point did number one did people realize that Corella and Stella were the same person? And then at what well, point did people realize that Stella was the Baroness kid? So I think John the valet mm-hmm. knew all along. Yeah. yeah. And for whatever reason, I don't know. It's like because he was the one who saved her. Like he has this like fraternal bond with her. That's like looking out like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'll look the other way while you go crazy. Like the other lady that I've been just standing next to for my entire that's life. The thing. And I was like, the why did you not quit your job the moment this woman asked you to kill her child? Like you just were like, oh, this seems like, you know, the 401k is great. We're going to stick around for a little bit. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, like, okay, that was a little extreme. <laughs> Let's we'll just give her a second chance, right? Yeah. <laughs> she seems. I mean, maybe she's just having a bad day. Everyone has a bad day, you she's know. She's like, a baby. You important. know, people do crazy things. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh. And then let's give it to the one lady who's like the nicest person, but apparently not very bright. <laughs> and doesn't make good life choices. Well, and I just wondered, like, at what point in the creative process did they decide that they wanted the Baroness to be her mother? Because it almost felt like an afterthought or like a, okay, we made the whole movie and then we like tested it and it wasn't received well so then we added this thing at the end or like did they write this whole thing and then Mark Strong decided that he wanted to be part of the project so they had to give him something else to do like why like where in the process did this come about because it didn't feel organic to the story as a whole it just it felt like it came out of nowhere and like oh yeah we should do this too because why not it's probably the moment where they realized they were like, we don't know how to end this movie. <laughs> yeah. They were like, wait, probably. we've already gotten the funding for this, but we don't know how to end it. <laughs> I, I felt I felt it was a little bit more coherent. I mean, but maybe but maybe that was just add-ins, because obviously the birth scene at the beginning was, was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, but then they also had her being... Uh, artistic like her mother i think they gave her too many traits like the baroness to to say it was an afterthought but but maybe i mean who knows how how disney makes movies nowadays um yeah who knows at this point <laughs> yeah i i don't know i still like i watched it twice and i was like okay trying just to figure out so Anita clearly knew that Cruella was Estelle immediately. And then, but she didn't say anything because, again, that's how you take care of people. You just, who have problems, <laughs> you just ignore them. Yeah, yeah, that always them. works. Yep. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, clearly it worked for the last lady, right? <laughs> the Baroness yeah. was like. And then, and then I think John knew really, really soon. Mm-hmm. And then, so then I'm wondering, like, did, when did the Baroness know? Because she clearly knew before she was like, arrest her. And I think there was some indications because she kept seeing um, Horace and Jasper mm-hmm. interacting. And so I'm wondering, is, is it when Horace brought the, the beads to the store? But it just, I don't know. I just, that's the, that was just what kept me going when I was watching the second time around. So, anyway. You were trying to apply logic to this movie. <laughs> I know. Silly me. <laughs> like, okay, what, what would normal start... humans do in this situation? <laughs> Which just doesn't right. work for this movie. I mean, at least, at least I can't fault them. Because normally in movies, I'm like, why didn't you call the police? But clearly the police are completely incompetent. So I, and and <laughs> all security guards. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that that to me makes sense. Like, <laughs> I probably wouldn't either. I'd be like, yeah, let's not bother. <laughs> uh, Sarah, what were your questions? Because I feel like I want to try to answer your questions. <laughs> um, okay, so you've already raised uh, some of them. But let's just... Let's start at the beginning. So okay. in in the first two minutes, I had two questions that I probably was not supposed to be asking, but these two questions were never answered. First, w- are we saying that her hair was born, like she was born with her hair like that? Is Dude, that I what we're that saying? Because yes. she the is the entire two child. hours and 17 minutes. Yes. Like <laughs> I was yes. wanting to there, know that too. I have follow-up questions depending on whichever answer it is. <laughs> so the answer is definitely yes okay. on that. Definitely. Okay. So then that is her natural hair color. See, I think her her dad is secretly related to Sia. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay. I like that theory. We'll we'll keep that in our back pocket. That's excellent. Um, okay. So then, so so then, was she wearing a red wig the whole time and nobody noticed? Did she dye her hair for a little while and then she goes back to her natural hair color? Because, like, whoa, how did that transformation process happen? Because that would have been real interesting. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's just, there's some hair questions that I have about how this actually worked. 
I really try to keep an eye on that the second time around I watched the movie because like you, I was like, wait, is that a wig of her wig? Yeah. Of her natural yeah. hair? So this is what I think happened. So as a kid, she's like, I need to dye my hair. And then as she grew up, she was more in the costumes and probably realized that instead of dyeing her hair, she could just wear wigs. And I think her natural <laughs> wig, go-to wig, was the little red hair one. But she had, because at some point they do show her with like a, a skull cap and her natural hair underneath. And then I think yes. as she's growing her hair out underneath, she does have these like black and white wigs. And apparently in abundance, because at the end, she's just like, a wig for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Which had to be stupid expensive. But what, right? you know, let's put that aside. A lot of um, so I, I do think her natural hair color was, un but you know what? Yeah. I also just got to the point where I was like, well, it's all wigs because she's an actress and her hair is nothing like that. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But I think that's I think that's the best I can do is like that's what they were going for. Was that it 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 was all wigs. You know, once they moved to her being an adult. That all seems right. reasonable. Yeah. yeah. But my my because my question like, that I still had unanswered that I was distracted by throughout the entire movie was like were her hair the sculpt on her head or the hair that's growing out of her sculpt is so perfectly in a straight line between black yes. and white and I just I gotta know how that happens yeah I mean it's it's genius clearly Jen but like, that's what you get when you're a genius but also why did that need to be part of this storyline like why couldn't she have just been like this is my look and she transforms into cruella and she dyes yeah, her hair that way because right? that's just a statement like why has it got to be biological because oh, nature versus nurture <gasps> well nature and also mm -hmm. how else are they going to john identified her at the party and then they bring it up again when the baroness is like what did you see her hair and john's like oh no that's just how all the kids are are wearing their hair today because mm -hmm. otherwise there'd be no idea it was like the birthmark or whatever that's like oh i recognize you because otherwise they would have john would have no idea that that was the baby that he like saved or the baroness was like that was the baby mm -hmm. i got rid of because when oh, so during she, the birthing see, scene yeah they they had to have something like that and that's Corella's big big vision uh our big design is that she's both black and white maybe it's all supposed to be like this meta commentary on like your light side and your dark side this is this is a star wars reference you've got the light or, side and the dark side and they're or, battling within each other and only one can win or it's or like two-face and we're, we're back to okay. the joker yeah. batman world yeah oh, yeah <laughs> that's what i was thinking was two-face while i was watching Okay, so one question, and I think this is like a Sarah, um, like, experience of getting <laughs> stuck on something, but her car. So I have been Googling this for two days now, is she drives a DeVille. Yes. And the only kind of DeVille, like, originally what I, I was like, oh, is it like a Pontiac DeVille? And I looked that up and I was like, that is definitely not what a Pontiac DeVille looks like. And the closest car I can see to that is a Panther DeVille. And I was like, yes, I believe that that is the car that she is driving in the live action movie. But a Panther DeVille came out in earliest was 1964. And the cartoon came out in 1961. So what is she driving in the cartoon that looks just like a Panther DeVille? Anyway, this is going to haunt me. If anyone knows this answer, <laughs> please tell me. I mean, I know she's driving a cartoon car, but it still has got to be drawn off of a style that was existing back then. That's amazing. I, I love this line of questioning. Um, I have. This is the important thing of this, this movie. This is the is important is thing the of car? this movie. Yes. <laughs> One of my one of my car questions is that at one point she is driving a car that has the 
the wheel on the American side and not on the British side. And I'm just wondering why. Like, it was, I think that was the one that oh. she hotwired from the party. And I'm like, okay, who are you stealing from? Did this, was this somebody who, I don't know, flew over to England and they brought their car with them because they didn't want to drive on with the European type car? So I just, it's not important. <laughs> but the whole time I was just like, is this because Emma Stone is an American actress? So she had to have an American car that she can drive? I don't know. But <laughs> I was very bothered <laughs> by that car. They don't normally let actors and actresses drive the car when they're filming. Yeah, yeah. And and so, like, okay, then is it a Cadillac DeVille, which doesn't have that body, (laughs) but would be an American car that would have been, at that time period, an actual DeVille that was Mm -hmm. out there. Also, why Mm -hmm. are there so many cars named DeVille? (laughs) Like, is that, like, the equivalent of a sedan? I don't understand, like... Oh man, and Ubers back in the day, all of them would have been driving DeVille's. This took <laughs> up about 30% of my time the second time watching. I was like, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta find out what car. I like contacted people that I know that are car people and I was like, what is this car? <laughs> Sending them pictures of like the animated cartoon. And they're like, I don't know, Aaron. They're like, Aaron, what? <laughs> <laughs> So if anyone that's listening, please contact us and let us know what you think that is. <laughs> please let us know. I am not a car person, so I'm, I'm out of this conversation. <laughs> Sarah. I did think. Go what ahead. were more of your hot takes? Ooh. Okay, so uh, the second question that I had within the first two minutes of the film is, um, are we saying that this child has DID? Does she have multiple personalities? Because the way that it's presented is, nope, I need you to be Estella. You can't be Cruella. And she switches back and forth between these personalities. Because if that's the case, then I have some serious questions. Because that happens usually as a result of trauma that your psyche splits. So what happened to this child who is with this seemingly loving mother? I mean, the child probably doesn't know that her birth mother tried to kill her at this point. But what caused her personality to split like that? And then why are we doing like a whole film about her delving further into madness? I, I just I had so many questions based on how the Estella Cruella thing was presented. And I feel like like you were saying earlier, Aaron, like this is a mental health catastrophe like this child (laughs) needed to be in therapy she probably needed some medication like she just needed a lot of help and support and um she didn't get it and it was kind of painful to watch at times i i don't think she had a multiple personality disorder um i i don't i I was trying to go back to my psych degree where I actually did clinical psychology and trying to figure out what would be in there. Um, And I just, I don't think they, I don't think they picked a mental disorder and went with it. I think they were just like, oh, crazy, all crazy people have the same problem. So let's sprinkle in some, you know, Mm -hmm. split personality. Let's sprinkle in a little sociopath, like uh, narcissism to like on the top. But I don't think like you could... There wasn't anything there where I was like, I could open up the diagnosis book (laughs) for psychology and be like, okay, here are her symptoms. This is what she has. Um, But clearly she has something and her mother should have been, instead of being like, we're just going to take you out. And my daughter, oh, you mean she's been beating up people and she's clearly, you know, like, as someone who went to a school that had a, a dress code um, in a uniform, like you weren't going to ever get away with, with that in that school. Like the stuff that she did was just, no, like she wouldn't even been allowed. She would have been sent home on multiple occasions. But anyway, besides like, okay, so this is a very um, forgiving yes. strict school. <laughs> Uh, they were just like, oh, you know what? I'm going to expel her for the, like the 150th, like infraction. Yeah. Right. And, and then the mom was like, oh, she's just, 
a genius and and creative and it kind of made me feel like i don't want i don't want kids seeing this to feel like yeah right? and parents too. to see this and mm-hmm. be like hey yeah this is how you yes you should support your family but you should also take a rational like okay well maybe one incidence and you're like are you really treating my kid fairly but on like the hundredth instance where she's beat someone up and brought a dog home out of a dumpster and cannot like keep her clothes in, you know, like if it was just her clothes, that would be a different thing, but it's clearly a lot of other things. Yeah. I think that this is another one of those films that I was just, and I don't have children. So take literally everything with a grain of salt, but I'm just watching this and I'm going, and I get that this is PG 13, but still, like it's a Disney film. So like, what is this teaching children? What is this modeling for parents who are trying to figure things out? Like there's not a lot of good stuff to take from this. It's, it's like a tutorial in what not to do as a human. Yep. Um, and I just, I know that there are good movies like that and I love movies like that, but I don't know. Sometimes it's just nice to have a little, a little positivity and I think especially like Aaron you mentioned this earlier about like we don't talk about mental health in a good way or like honoring ways we're getting better but I I just feel like this was very sloppily handled and just uh yeah instead of and there wasn't even any one person who was like let's get you some help like the closest we got to that was Jasper, who was like, uh, I want to walk away from you, but I can't say no to you. Like, that was the closest we got. And I just, right. I wish it was handled just slightly better than that. Yeah, I mean, obviously they couldn't have, like, been like, hey, let's roll you up and um, pull out the DSM and diagnose you yeah. and actually get you help. Yeah. But at least he could have been, I mean, even if there was just one line of, instead of his conversations with Jasper and Horace being where Jasper's like, I think we should just, I don't like Corella. I think we should just dump her after 10 years of living, you know, picking her up off the streets and living with her. I think it would have been better like, Hey, is there something we can do to help her? Because this isn't her, you know, this isn't the Stella we know. And even if they didn't like continue that on, it would have been better of, message then hey this person has gone off the deep end we should just walk away oh but we're family so we can't walk away well okay then we'll, we'll just, just do whatever her. crazy <laughs> idea yeah then we'll just enable you because those that's the only options i think from the beginning of this movie there is the celebration of her insanity like there and and like there it's a half truth right because the the way that she pushes the boundaries and is bold and fearless and creative is is to be celebrated. But it's also riddled with her being incredibly unstable and a little off her kilter. And there, there's madness that's part of that. But everyone around her is celebrating the fact that she is a creative genius. And it's at the cost of her, as you both have mentioned, her mental sanity. And that's a really – like confusing message, especially if if this is for kids, which again goes back to my question that I have with a lot of movies that are often <laughs> poorly done, which is like, who is this movie for? Um, because if this if there are like you know like middle schoolers or elementary kids watching this, this is a very muddled and problematic message. Well, and I don't think it helps to be to continue to tie creative and genius with mental illness. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yes. I mean, they're both in your brain. And so there is going to be some correlations, but you can be not a genius and still have mental health issues. And you can be a genius Mm -hmm. and not have mental health issues. But I don't think it's, it's great to continue to be like, well, you get one, you know, like, oh, if we helped her not want to kill puppies, then she's not going to be able to make a nice, you know, coat. Right. Like she clearly was able at the beginning to be like, hey, you know, Dalmatians have great spots. I would like to make a spotted coat. You know, what I could do is make that without like slaughtering dogs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it was 101 Dalmatian Disney's first 
socially conscious film where they were just trying to to put a stand or say, hey, this isn't right. Look, people don't 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 make fur coats <laughs> I, anymore. That was probably really fitting for when the uh, the live action came out. It was probably you know in response to that, I'm sure. But the the original 101 Dalmatians was actually a novel that was published in 1956. I have no idea what it's about because I'm just doing a very very quick Google search. Oh, but um. Yeah, so this is much older <laughs> than I thought it that it was. So, well, that makes sense because I do remember the Lion King being like the first time they were saying this was not a take on any other previous story. But I hadn't, I was I'm glad you looked mm -hmm. that up because I w I had never heard or the previous reference. Um. So my question is. What was Cruella like in this 1956 novel? Right. <laughs> Can you imagine? There probably wasn't one. So, if you see, like, it says, was this on, part I'm of the like Wikipedia research now. for this film? And it says Cruella Deville, a very wealthy woman, so fixated on fur clothing <laughs> okay. that she married a furrier and forces him to keep his fur collection in their home so she can wear the pieces whenever she likes. She admires the two dogs and expresses a desire to have a Dalmatian skin coat. And so then later. The dog, which is named Mrs. <gasps> oh, in wow. the novel, gives birth to a litter of 15 puppies. Uh, concerned that Mrs. will not be able to mm -hmm. feed them all the humans joining to help. Yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. Other things happen. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that it's still. Yeah. That's so, pretty accurate. Yeah. They but then in material. that case, did Corella go crazy because of tanning? Mm. Um, chemicals and then it's not genetic it is it's nature if she's she's requiring all this because you know she's probably trying on every like brand new fur whether it's been cured or not and now you're you're talking more like mad hatter syndrome than than <laughs> split hair style by birth well and if she's syndrome. i mean if her name is cruella <laughs> deville and she's married to somebody so then is he mr deville or did like were they a really progressive couple and like she kept her crazy person name and he just has his own you know keeping their brand separate from each other <laughs> yeah i i do like the fact that they didn't say that her she was given the name like her because i agree who would do that to their child Right. What mother? I mean, actually, yeah. the Baroness probably like, would have, you know but you know, but it's still she. She still named her Estelle, Estella. Um, well, that's interesting. So in a hundred and one mm -hmm. Dalmatian, it's fifteen puppies, and then okay, and not to like get off Cruella and move to a hundred one Dalmatians, but I I have a list of like WTF. Um, so <laughs> let's do it. Do it. <laughs> they have a nanny. For a newlywed couple who barely has <laughs> yeah. any money, but apparently they can afford a nun, a London nanny. And then they have 15 puppies, which again, they're like, we can't afford that. And then at the end of the movie, he sells his song, um, Cruella DeVille, which like, sure, she's going to be like, yeah, you can have that on the radio. No quorums with that. <laughs> she's a they now are like starting a dalmatian plantation at the end which <laughs> i'm sorry why don't you try to take what? no that's what that's how the yeah. end of 101 dalmatians end all they they them. decide just to oh keep all 101 practical and they're just gonna go and and live on a farm somewhere and instead of yeah instead of being like like they can't split up these traumatized pups now like, they can't just be like, hey, you know, everybody, now anyone who wants a Dalmatian, because all the other 80-whatever, uh, 84 puppies that were in any pet store in, like, the surrounding area have been bought, you know, no, we, no one else yes. can have a Dalmatian. Absolutely. Now we have to hoard them. Like, this has become, <laughs> like, the weirdest hoarder of film ever. And... And of course, they're going to be able to with feed all these money. animals with like their royalties on this <laughs> one song. So it looks like this London nanny is going to be needing to find right? a new and job because they, they don't have. Well, they have funds to play to start off with, and they now they have this. So it's I was like, <laughs> who? What newlywed couple has a? 
Who's managing yeah, their finances? Newlywed couple has a live-in nanny and no money to like feed their <laughs> puppies. Like, yeah, that that was disturbing. I feel I feel Roger, who apparently was an attorney before he became a um, non-profitable a servant. No, no, yeah, no, Roger, so when he gets, apparently, so he gets fired, he's an attorney, and he gets fired, and instead of, like, Mm -hmm. continuing to practice Mm -hmm. law, he decides to, like, lock himself in his house and write songs. Oh. Because that's who Roger is in the 101 Dalmatian, he's he's a, he just writes music. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm learning that I remember very little about 101 Dalmatian, Probably what I'm gathering. Yeah, so, so I don't know if then... Like it makes it sound like his pastime is writing music, but but in the actual cartoon, it's not his pastime. Like that's he's a full time songwriter who's not successful at all. Uh, and but who apparently has a passion to like hoard Dalmatians now. And see now it's now the madness <laughs> is just contagious. <laughs> Maybe there's something on the puppies that they just need to. Uh, not touch. Maybe these puppies all need a good shower or something. I don't know. It. I was not excited. It made me want to be like, you know, 101 Dalmatian. Like, if I had a, a sentence there, it's like, you should have listened to Bob Barker and had your pets spayed and neutered. <laughs> yes. And we, yes. we would not be in this situation. Yes. Didn't they make a sequel? Wasn't there like a hundred and two Dalmatians? Yes. There was like there was another animated. Yeah, there's sequel, definitely. Right? I wonder if I have that. Let me. Look. You probably do. I might not. I'm confident. Yeah, I, I, I've never seen it, but I'm just confident that you have I, it. I do have the <laughs> um, other. I'm looking now. Oh. There. Yes, there's so many better better movies they could have done. Oh, they should have done um, the villain of the Hunchback of Notre Dame. That would have been great. Which makes me wonder, like, there's got to have been some evidence that this was going to be successful. Also, it was imp- interesting to note that yes. Emma Stone and Glenn yeah. Close are both producers of this movie. And and they both are – I mean, Glenn Close has been in a wide variety of things. But she's she's been great in a lot of other things. And so both of their judgment, you know, like, are not off – totally off. But they – and so they, they must have had – a vision and a hope and a and a direction for this. And wasn't Glenn Close the one who did The Devil Wears Prada? No, that's no. Meryl Streep. Glenn Close was in the live no, action. No, no, Meryl Streep was, was in the live action. No. Oh, other way. Okay, well, that, that was the other thing. Other so, way, other way. Um, I thought it would have been really interesting. Not that I don't think that Emma Thompson didn't do, a, you know, the best she could with the material that she had. But I thought, oh, wouldn't it have been interesting if they had Glenn Close be the Baroness as a little nod to the fact that she did the live action. Or or Meryl Streep being it because it's basically just the Devil Wears Prada <laughs> yeah. Disney. Yeah. <laughs> Disney. Yeah. Bat- Batman version. And everything. Yep. <laughs> okay. Were there any other last thoughts? Any other last hot takes or mentions? Yes, yes, that's an important lesson that we've we've learned here today. Um, on on IMDb, I saw that one of the the trivia for this movie was Nicolas Cage was considered to appear, and I read that and I went, you know what? I would have appreciated that because this movie was a mess. <laughs> just up so here. why not? Just let Nick Cage in and just let him be Nick Cage. That would have been excellent. Why not? <laughs> okay, that's the thing with this movie. It's a hot mess, but it's incredibly amusing. There are movies that are bad and they're hot messes and it's an absolute train wreck to experience. This one was an amusing hot mess. Like it was very, <laughs> very thrilling to experience everything unfold in a true I'm just oh wait can we go back to this Nick Cage thing (laughs) I'm just trying like was it supposed to be like a cameo where he's like he's one of the it just says he was just one of the people he's like one of the ladies in the wig 
at the end of the movie. That would have been great. Like, seriously, when Horace turned around and he was in the, like, full drag, I was like, yes, this just made me me happy. And then he's, like, trying to have a fight and he's losing. And then, like, Artie comes up and he's like, and, and Horace is like, I got that. And Artie, I think one of the best lines was like, but did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if, what if Nick Cage... What if, what if he was Nick Cage was Artie? <laughs> That's what I was thinking, and I was like, "Oh God, That's hilarious." I mean, <laughs> that would that would have to be the the role, right? Or if he was the valet, I mean, at least that would explain why he stuck around with the Baroness. Like, oh, I was thinking he would be the Baron, like the uh, few seconds yeah. on screen. That would, that would explain that would explain a lot. You know, he's yeah. got that look. He looks expensive. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not the hairstyle, but that's really funny. But I, I like the already already approach. I think that's a good, yes. yeah. a good one. <laughs> Just the cherry on top for this hot mess of a movie. <laughs> but a, an entertaining right? hot mess. You know? Like you're just tickled. You're like, oh, there's Nicolas Cage with a freaking like star right. eyeliner <laughs> oozing down I his I want to see the David Bowie like remake <laughs> with Nicolas Cage in it. <laughs> like you know they're doing that for like they did it for elton john and they did it for queen like now we need david bowie and like it'll just be nicholas cage i mean it's not gonna be a good movie and anyone that like david bowie is not gonna be happy but <laughs> i'd watch it and then critique it with you guys oh, yeah, that'd be a good time we can rip it apart together it'll be great okay i have one one last question which is how did this yes. banana slice on her yes. cheek utterly defy gravity? I enjoyed. I had so many <laughs> I mean, questions. It's probably sticky. <laughs> I enjoyed that she ate it. <laughs> it definitely was like it brought in the whole like how she's a survivor and she's just trying to keep up with things. And and then how disgusting it was because you're like, eh, it wasn't her banana slice. <laughs> nope. It's Jesus like, yeah, we do what you need to to keep going. Oh, <laughs> uh, now I want bananas. <laughs> yeah, and how did she not feel it? Okay, any other uh, last thoughts? So Aaron can yeah, go and no, eat her bananas. To, yeah, I gotta go grocery shopping. <laughs> no, if not, we can wrap thank up. Thank you for having me come <laughs> again. Um, and apparently talk about disney and how as someone who is always like presented as oh aaron loves disney and she has all the collections and then we just talk for an hour about like what yes. what were you thinking disney <laughs> what were you thinking back then yeah. and what are you thinking now and how are you still mm -hmm. what does that say about all the other production companies where we're like disney is still top of the line <laughs> from everything else well, that's the thing that I kept thinking about. I was like, we paid the twenty nine ninety nine for this, you know? Like, we are fueling this machine. They're going to look at their analytics and be like, wow, like, we, Jen, Sarah, and Aaron contributed to our analytics. Like, yeah, people and then want talked this. about it for. But see, we're not like the people in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, if we see that something is wrong with but something that we love, we're going to talk about it. We might not be able to help, but we're sure going to talk about it sure. and not ignore it. So. <laughs> Admitting you have a problem. Yes. Disney, you Step have a problem. Step one is acknowledging the problem. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then they're true. making more money than me. So maybe. But do they? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Corella Do they really have a problem? has way more yeah. money than I do. So. <laughs> who's really the crazy one here? <laughs> Who has the problem? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Aaron, for joining us and just always being a good time. Thank you for That's having great. me. We love it. Okay. Well, this was our roast of Cruella. You can find it available on Disney+. Plus. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our strategic whimsy experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. 
drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about Cruella. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can always email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film Mortal Kombat. We hope you guys have an amazing week and we will see you very soon. Thank you.